Welcome to Red Maryland Radio, the Red Maryland Network's flagship show. Here are your hosts, Brian Griffiths and Greg Klein. Hello and welcome to an all-new installment of Red Maryland Radio here on the Red Maryland Network, live from the newly constituted Jim Plunkett Studios on the uh, bucolic and very, very wet western shore of Maryland in the heart of the business district of Severna Park, Maryland. You're listening to Red Maryland Radio here on the Red Maryland Network. I am your host, Greg Klein. Brian Griffiths has absconded and been on vacation. I mean, God knows he's deserved it. For the last two weeks, I have been trying very hard to fill in as the uh, general manager of the network and um, everything, the weather, uh, catastrophe, God himself has conspired against me to keep from bringing you a brand new podcast here on the Red Maryland Network. But we have persevered and we are here tonight with an all new installment. I don't know that we'll... (laughs) Go a full hour tonight, but we'll do what we can. I will break down here in the first segment all of my my Jobian tale of woe that I have suffered in the last two weeks to to bring you to this point. Uh, there's a silver lining. There's a happy ending. We'll make something good out of it, I'm sure. Uh, but later on, I want to talk to you. I was on the um, the televisions, the TVs, the 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 magic box. Uh, I did an appearance on the political roundtable on State Circle of Maryland Public Television. I'll talk to you a little bit about my about that. Talk about some things that I wasn't able to get to in that segment. And um, I, I want to give a reaction because this is something we thought about talking about. But, when, you know, when you do the, one of these segments, it's like eight minutes long. So there's not a lot of time to talk about very much. There was a prior segment that was about 12 minutes long where the host, Jeff Salkin, interviews the attorney, the state attorney general, Brian Frosch and Brian Frosch is just living in an alternate reality. Um, I wish I had been able to give some sort of response to that because I had a lot to say. I'll say it tonight here on the show. We'll talk about that. The latest in the governor's race, uh, the gambit of Speaker Bush to try to lamely keep some sort of uh, Democratic unity with a Hail Mary on this, if you'll forgive me for using that phrase, uh, with an abortion amendment to the state constitution. We'll talk about that. All of that tonight here on Red Maryland Radio, an all-new Red Maryland Radio here on the Red Maryland. We're back. Some of you were very worried about us. And frankly, in this first segment, I want to I want to do some housekeeping and tell you what's been going on the last couple of weeks. Because you were right to be worried. Um, <laughs> Brian Griffiths has been on vacation. He is doing this long, circular uh, travel through the greater this great country of ours, um, the the heartland of the United States of America. And if you've been following him on Instagram, on Facebook, you've been, you've seen him in in such uh, beautiful places as the Grand Canyon. Uh, he's been in Arlington, Texas. He's been in such godforsaken places as Nebraska and Utah. Um, I, I guess you got to go through those to get to the nice places. I don't know. Not my idea of a vacation necessarily, but for two weeks, the Griffiths family, uh, like some sort of traveling circus, has been going around the country uh, driving to, to you know, an old-fashioned 
uh, family truckster loaded vacation style vacation around the country. So Brian's been out the last couple of weeks. I've been tasked and I was happy to do it as general manager of the network to fill in for Brian while he's been gone. I mean, the man works so hard. He rarely gets away from home. He deserves a full two weeks vacation in summer. I mean, no one works harder than he does. So I was happy to fill in. And last week I was preparing to do a show. Uh, Wednesday night, I had things outlined, preparing for our Thursday broadcast. It was going to be a, it was going to be a great show. And uh, suddenly, as I was sitting in my humble abode after a long, hard day of practicing the law, uh, I saw water in my house, under my feet, throughout the first floor. My backyard has ha- became a lake. It still looks like a rice paddy, by the way. Almost two weeks later. Um. It was completely inundated. As you know, we've had an enormous amount of rain in July and into early August, five times the normal amount, maybe the wettest July in the history of our state. Of course, we haven't been keeping records that long, but it was really bad. It was certainly it was certainly worse than anything I have ever experienced in a house that I've lived in for over two decades to actually have water coming back up through the sub pump and into overwhelming the sub pump. Uh, I suspect my neighbors are engaged in some sort of illegal uh, irrigation practices. We'll get to the bottom of that. But that's not that's not my point. We had a flood in the Al Davis studios. The Al Davis studios were inundated and we you know, I couldn't do a show on Thursday. In fact, Thursday morning, just to just to pull the curtain back a little bit. My wife and I Wednesday night were bailing out the house, trying to get water out of the house, running humidifiers and fans and wet dry vacs all night long we took we we got maybe two hours of sleep came back downstairs and there was an inch of uh, three quarters of an inch of water throughout the entire first floor we have no basement it's a split foyer this kind of thing should not happen in our house by design we've never had any sort of flooding like this before it is completely unprecedented and say we've lived in this house since 1997 so we're just bailing water out and, and moving it out as quick as we can. Uh, the sump pump became overwhelmed. We had to go through all, all kinds of pumping, and I won't bore you with all the details. But I actually had to take a break. I do my regular morning uh, spot radio hit with uh, our friend Mike Bradley, WGMD, at 7.50 a.m. every Thursday. So that Thursday, <laughs> I actually took a break from the disaster that was my house, went out on my front porch, the front stoop of my house, on, you know, two hours sleep, and did the call-in to to Mike Bradley, some semblance of normality before I went back into the disaster zone that was my house. Well, long story short, we didn't do a we didn't do a podcast last week. And the Al Davis Studios, um, the equipment was all safe, unharmed. The, the flooring destroyed, gone, literally took it, put it in trash bags and carried it out to the curb today before I came over to record this. I mean, it's 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 disaster. It's it's just it's just a huge mess that we've been dealing with in the Klein household. So unable to do a podcast last week and without a studio for the home of the Red Maryland Network, it hastened us to begin a transition to the new Jim Plunkett Studios, 
uh, christened this week. Something that we'd actually been talking about for some time because even though – and you'll notice, you'll notice, by the way, perhaps, if you care about such things, this, this uh, particular podcast was not broadcast live, simulcast live on Facebook Live. There's no video uh, component of this. Uh, that I could not get to work yet. Um, yes, I love technology. And I do. And I do love it so much. But the reality is that we could not get it to work. Uh, could not get that to work. So that's why I'm recording this on Saturday, August 4th. And I appreciate your patience. We did have our good friends, um, John Frenet over at Ion Annapolis, saying, hey, is your, is your feed broke? Where's all the podcasts? Which is very nice to know that people miss you. Uh, but this is what has happened. So we are, we've been talking about moving to these new studios here and, and the offices, uh, the law office of Gregory M. Klein, uh, the Jim Plunkett studios that we have, this, this event, this, this act of God uh, has forced us to move up our timeline to do that. Our goal ultimately, once we work out all the kinks, and of course uh, our biggest hurdle is... Yes, I love technology. Our goal is to have Red Maryland Network programming with a upgraded video component from the Jim Plunkett Studios and have, you know, nice backdrops and to have um, some some increased audio quality and doing some other things. That's coming sooner rather than later, but the technology is still in the work. So it, it didn't happen this week. So that's why there hasn't been a podcast. I, plain and simple, Brian is completely AWOL, taking his, you know, 10th trip of the year his, I don't know, he must get like eight weeks of vacation. And God bless him. I mean, nobody works harder than he does. So who deserves it more than him? Um, I'm not jealous at all. Uh, so <laughs> so here we are. And so it, thank. first off, thank you for letting me get that off my chest. Life sometimes is very hard, as you all know. And and believe me, there are people who had uh, flooding and, and damage to their homes from these storms and this constant rain far, far worse than the Klein household did. So believe me, I, I know that uh, people have it worse, and, and my heart goes out to anybody who's had to deal with this kind of stuff. We were very fortunate that there wasn't greater damage. Obviously, everyone's fine, and you know, no one was injured or, or threatened, and and, uh, you know, we'll have insurance help pay for everything. But it did prevent us from doing a podcast. It did eliminate the Al Davis Studios from, from being a part of the Red Maryland Network probably forever, but certainly for the, uh, the foreseeable future, which does not mean that the quality or frequency of podcasts will go down, simply that they, are, they will emanate here from the newly constituted Jim Plunkett Studios in the heart of the business district of Severna Park, Maryland. So we appreciate your patience with that. Now, all of that out of the way, let's take a break. We'll come back and we'll talk about the stuff that you really came for. Not not the Jobian woes of the Klein family, though some of you in this audience I know enjoy those tremendously. Um, some of you might be asking, well, was the flooding worse than Klein vacation for some longtime fans? The answer, no, it was not. <laughs> It was not. Uh, it was more expensive. It was. Uh, it smelled worse. But uh, if I had to choose, well, 
Anyway, um, let's take a break. We'll come back. I'll talk to you about my appearance on uh, um, a Maryland Public Television State Circle and some of the issues going on with the with the uh, gubernatorial campaign and the idiocy of our state attorney general. All that and more here on an all-new Red Maryland Radio here on the Red Maryland Network. We'll be right back. You can help Red Maryland grow our reach when you visit redmaryland.com and click on the Amazon link and shop as normal. A portion of your purchase will come back to Red Maryland to help us grow. Additionally, you can buy Red Maryland t-shirts, drinkware, and other gear from our Zazzle store at zazzle.com slash redmaryland. We want to hear from you. Email us at any time at redmaryland at gmail.com. You can also leave audio feedback on our Red Maryland talkback line at 410-205-4875. We might use your feedback on our programming. You are listening to Maryland's most trusted conservative voice, the Red Maryland Network. Be sure to follow Red Maryland on all of the major social networking sites. You can follow us at Red Maryland on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Google+, Snapchat, and Tumblr to get the latest from Red Maryland. And be sure to follow the home base for all things Red Maryland, redmaryland.com. Celebrating five years as Maryland's only network that matters. You're listening to the Red Maryland Network. You're invited to the first Red Maryland Leadership Conference on Saturday, January 26, 2019 at the Doubletree Hotel in Annapolis. Join conservatives from across the state to discuss the future of conservatism in Maryland and to develop strong, principled conservative leaders for the future. This will be an affordable all-day event featuring speakers from across the country discussing politics, ideas, and how to build a conservative majority in Maryland. Sponsorship opportunities are available. To secure your seat for this conference, visit redmarylandconference.com and purchase your ticket today. All right, we're back here on uh, Red Maryland Radio, here on the Red Maryland Network. A little Judas Priest, No Surrender. Brand new Judas Priest, by the way. All new, brand new, or within the last year, bumper music that you can enjoy tonight. So if you haven't checked out the the new Judas Priest album, it's great. You really should check it out because it's firepower is the name of it, by the way. All right, we're back. We're trying the technology. I'm I'm working on it, folks. I... I, (laughs) I'm doing the best I can. We're trying to get the new studio. It took us. It took us a long time to get the uh, Al du- Dave Al Duvis. Jeez, now my mouth doesn't work. Um, the Al Davis studio sorted out. We'll get this sorted out, folks. We'll we'll, we'll get it sorted out. We'll get the levels right. We'll, we'll we'll get it done. God willing. And and always remember. Yes, I love technology. Yeah, yeah, I do. Cause I do. Anyway. I like doing audio. I love doing radio. I love doing these uh, 
audio-based podcast. I know you all enjoy listening to them, and thank you again for listening. But I was invited uh, onto State Circle, which is a public affairs show uh, centering on state and local politics and news of interest on Maryland Public Television, hosted by Jeff Salkin, who's been doing it for a long, long, long time. Uh, They had actually invited me on last week. I wasn't able to do it. Uh, They invited me again this week. Now, other members of Red Maryland have been on State Circle in the past. I know Mark Nugent was there. I I think Brian Griffiths was invited on some time ago. I don't remember if he was on or not. Um, So it was very nice of them to invite us. And let's be honest, I don't think I was the first person they called, but uh, (laughs) they did get to me. Um, but I hate doing TV. I'll be honest with you. I hate doing TV. Love talking about politics. Love talk- doing the hits. I can do the do the crossfire thing. That's fine. But TV, you know, I have a face for radio, and and uh, TV is a little more nerve wracking. Uh, even though, look, I mean, MPT is not exactly you know Fox News or something. It's a, it's it's. You know, it's up in Owings Mills. It's a nice little studio. They've been using it for years. It's very simple. If if you went and saw it, you would you would realize it's not so magical what goes on in television. But it's a it's a well done show. It looks good uh, for what it is. And uh, we had we had an eight minute segment. I was on with the executive director of Progressive Maryland, who was very much a progressive. Um, and we had a chance to talk about the latest in the governor's race. And the the really as far as we got in the eight, eight and a half minutes that we had to talk was really whose base is more motivated, who has the advantage. And it was, you know, (laughs) the guy from Progressive Maryland is a very nice guy. We had a very nice chat before and after and and we have mutual friends and um, nice guy. Uh, you know, he gave all the progressive talking points that we've talked about on the show all along. Oh, everybody in the Democratic Party is united. It's a blue wave coming. Larry Hogan's only popular because people think he's likable. They don't necessarily like the job that he's doing. If they look at his record, they're not going to actually like what he's doing. Uh, on and on down the line. No mention of the problems, you know, kind of kind of a denial of uh, the fact that people like Senator Jim Mathias don't want to be p- photographed with Ben Jealous, that Ike Leggett, who's the county executive of the most liberal Democratic county in the state, won't endorse won't endorse Ben Jealous. He kept insisting that that was forthcoming, which begs the question: Well, if you know it's going to happen, why hasn't it happened already? You know, he kept in, he kept insisting that all these Democrats that are supporting the governor have uh they're they're golf buddies of the governor you know they they don't really count they're not important it doesn't matter how many you know former chairmen former speakers of the house current elected officials from various parts of the state come out and endorse the governor it doesn't matter how many democrats are kind of walking sideways from ben jealous Everything is roses. Everything is going to be great. It's a blue wave coming. It's going to be a wipeout. Kept insisting that, uh, and we and we kind of sparred back and forth over whether whether Democratic turnout was on. Now he he came back to two, and I mentioned this at the very end when I had thirty seconds to rebut what he'd been saying for the last three minutes. Um, and I think I did a pretty I think I finished pretty strong here. There, there's basically two 
myths that state Democrats have been putting forward really for the last four years about the election in 2014 and about Governor Hogan. And my my colleague from Progressive Maryland, my opponent, my uh, roundtable partner, kept doling those out, kept doing the talking points. At both of those we've written about extensively at RedMaryland.com and have rebutted at some length. One is this idea, and we've talked about it before, that Governor Hogan only won in 2014 because Democratic turnout was low. This is something that we have documented ever since the 2014 election. And it is absolutely 1,000% incorrect. We have a study at redmaryland.com. You can go check it out. I'll probably post a link with the, with the show page with this podcast where you had a, a, a pair of Democratic these, – these are Democrats. These are Democratic pollsters who went and looked at the data after the 2014 general election, who went back and looked at demographic data, turnout data, and – um, they made a statistical analysis of what was going on. And their goal when doing this, again, as Democrats, these aren't this wasn't some RNC, RGA, you know, Republican auxiliary cheerleader group. This wasn't somebody paid for by Change Maryland to create an alternative narrative about what happened. These were Democratic pollsters who were get, trying to get to the truth of what happened in the election so that Democrats can actually learn from their defeat. This is, this is what they stated in their report. And, and again, we have it linked at redmaryland.com. You ought to read it in detail. What they found was Governor Hogan didn't win because Democratic turnout was low. And in fact, what they did was they extrapolated turnout models from 2010, uh, which was a much better year for Democrats. And I think they may have even gone back to 2006 which was a very good year for Democrats. And they extrapolated the same turnout onto um, the way the vote broke in the race in 2014. And what they found was Governor Hogan would have won even if turnout had been the same in 2000 as in 2014 as it had been in 2010 when Governor Ehrlich lost by a large margin. Um, and in 2006 even, uh, you have to go back and check out, but certainly 2010, and what they found was, and this is what's critical, this is what's important. The Democrats are saying, well, just enough Democrats didn't come out. If more Democrats had come out, Governor Hogan would have lost. Well, that's not true. If more Democrats would have come out, Governor Hogan still would have won because Governor Hogan got a significant portion of Democratic votes. He got an enormous portion of independent voters in 2014, and he got a significant portion of Democrats voting for him. Now, that's the exact same strategy that he has this year. And in fact, that's been the primary focus of his campaign is to define Ben Jealous negatively and to talk about his bipartisan appeal and particularly pick up the idea of Democrats voting for him. The idea being, even if you have more Democrats going to the polls, which let's be honest, folks, looks like it's going to happen. I mean, if you look at all the national portents, whether it's the, the, the generic congressional ballot, whether it's some of the um, some of the um, uh, some of the turnout, I don't think Maryland is necessarily that substantial. I don't th- the, the argument was that there was a 14 percent increase in Democratic primary turnout um, 
from from four years ago. I'm not sure that's exactly correct. Overall turnout in the primary was not that significantly higher. There was a bump up in early voting, but didn't end up being that significant. Um, you also had hyper competitive races in a lot of parts of the state, which was part of it, which you didn't have in 2010. Um, so it's kind of skewed a little bit. Doesn't mean that that's what's going to happen come November. But there is an energy on the left. There's no question about it. And as much as some of you may may like the president, be fans of the president, antipathy towards the president is 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 driving that. And the president, frankly, you know, he encourages that. I mean, he trolls the left, which gets <laughs> gets folks on the other side motivated to come out and vote. Which you know, if you live in a deep red state, is you know, or you're you're not running for election next year, you're running for election, you know, three years from now, uh, may not be of great consequence. But if you live in a heavily blue state like Maryland is, that could be a problem. Okay. So, but again, the, the Democrats assume if we just get enough Democrats to come out, we'll win. But what they don't account for, and what this statistical analysis uh, showed, was that just having more Democrats... Just at just making Demo- registered Democrats a bigger part of the general election electorate isn't going to be enough to defeat Governor Hogan, because Governor Hogan gets a lot of Democratic votes. Okay, and this is what's really important. So uh, Republicans certainly need to turn out. Independents certainly need to turn out. The governor needs to do well amongst those those folks. But as we've always said about Republicans in Maryland for many, many years, they need to be able to get Democratic votes as well. And nobody has been able to do that better than Governor Hogan. And he's doing it very well right now, which is why that all the head to head matchups that we've seen and we haven't seen a good one since the primary have him ahead by 10, 15 points and over 50 percent in the last one where they had head to head against Ben Jealous. Ben Jealous is a great matchup for him because it does uh, have the clearest distinction between the two. So that's important as well. So that myth has been completely busted. But the Democrats have been living on that. And one of the reasons they've been living on that and why they continue to perpetuate it and why folks like um, my friend, the, pro- the progressive Maryland executive director, live on that is because if they, if they, be- if they don't believe that, then they have to recognize they have to change who they are. They have to change their policies. They have to recognize that Martin O'Malley went too far to the left. And that was one of the reasons that his handpicked successor, Anthony Brown, lost. Because the flip side of the argument is Democrats didn't turn out and vote. Anthony Brown was a bad candidate. Well, there's not a lot of evidence that Ben Jealous is any better of a candidate. Okay. There's really no evidence of that. He got a lower percentage of the primary vote. He hasn't he hasn't shown very much. Uh, um, <laughs> he hasn't shown very much in the fundraising area. Uh, most of his endorsements have come from out of state. He hasn't been able to unify the Democratic Party the way Anthony Brown was. Anthony Brown had the establishment behind him. The establishment was against Ben Jealous before the primary. And you haven't seen them lining up to endorse him since then. It's pretty extraordinary. So that myth is busted. Okay. Even if even if Democratic turnout as a percentage of the overall vote this November is higher, the governor still can win this election. Okay. At a certain point, 
you know, he's not going to win a majority of Democratic votes. Okay. Uh, so at a certain point, it would be true. I mean, if there really were an enormous blue wave, then there, there would be a point statistically where the governor just couldn't win. But we don't seem to be at that point. That doesn't seem to be happening here in Maryland. Hasn't showed up in any polling data that I see. And the governor and the governor's folks uh, and the RGA sure aren't going to let it happen. So we'll see. But that myth, that's just a myth. Just having more Democrats show up in November doesn't mean the Democrats are going to win. Because it wouldn't have meant that in 2014 if you actually look at how Democrats voted. So that's number one. Number two is the myth that Governor Hogan's approval rating, which is in the 70s, which has been sustained in the mid-60s, upper 70s for years, despite all of the attacks, despite all of the issues, despite everything they've thrown at the governor, has never really taken a hit. It's, it's well over 50% amongst Democrats. It's well over 50% in heavily Democratic areas like Baltimore City. It's extremely high. Now, what the Democrats and what and what my friend on the roundtable from Progressive Maryland said when we were on TV together is, well, that just means people like him. He's a nice guy. You'd want to hang out with him. I think he said you wanted to have a beer with him, but I think he held back from saying that. That's the that's the old um, <laughs> that's the old thing they used to say about Bill Clinton. You know, is it a guy you'd want to have a beer with? Here's two problems with that analysis. Number one. A lot of people vote for candidates um, are not they're not ideological to begin with. This is one of the things our friend Professor Eberly, Todd Eberly from St. Mary's, who I don't agree with on a lot of things. But this is one thing that he says that is absolutely true. While you and I may be very ideologically oriented and while people like the progressive Maryland types may be very ideologically oriented, a lot of people aren't. Okay. A lot of people vote on candidates who they generally, at some kind of visceral, emotional, maybe inarticulable level, like, trust, see as their, as their governor in this case. So saying that someone's likable doesn't completely, is not completely inconsequential when it comes to how people will vote, number one. Number two, it isn't just... Because you don't get 70-plus approval uh, ratings in the upper 70s just because people like you and think you're a nice guy. Uh, which, by the way, in this day and age, in the era of Trump and, and you know the, the hysterical partisan politics we have now, that someone is able to do that, especially as a Republican in a Democratic state, is able to have even likability at that high, is, is pretty extraordinary in and of itself. Uh, and, and I don't think it's just that. I think the reality is, and we hear this all the time, and we see this in polling results, and it's why the governor and the RGA have gone so hard after uh, the plans that Ben Jealous has for the state. It's because they like the way the governor is running the state. Okay? The governor, and the, you know, I hit on some of the talking points in the 15 seconds I had to make this point, but I want to expound on it a little bit here while I you know, have a little bit more time. And when you talk to people, these are the kinds of things you need to talk about. Um, ben Jealous is going gonna, is gonna to double the state budget, likely. His, his health care plan alone is going to increase state spending by nearly 50%. He's going to have to raise taxes accordingly to do it. We have a balanced budget amendment, so you got to bring in enough money to pay for what you're putting out. So if you, 
if you increase the state budget by 50%, you got to have tax revenue 50% higher to pay for. It. You just have to. There's we can't run a deficit like like the the feds do. Okay. So he's going to have to raise taxes. And in fact, the health care plan, you've seen huge thousands of dollars per family surtaxes that are being talked about. Okay. That and that's just for his health care plan. Not not doesn't include uh, education plans and free college and all this kind of stuff. Um, he also wants to help pay for that by legalizing drugs and releasing thousands of prisoners from jail and slashing six hundred and sixty million dollars out of the uh, public safety budget. Okay, you don't have to be a hardcore right wing Republican to say that makes me a little uncomfortable. That seems a little too far, especially when you have a governor in Governor Hogan who has cut taxes, fees and tolls by over a billion dollars, something like one point two billion dollars. And yet at the same time has been able to spend uh, record amounts for K through 12 education in real dollars, even beyond what the what the legislature has mandated. Uh, he's been able to have an environmental record that has wide bipartisan support. We've got the cleanest bay we've had in 33 years. He's been able to even the, even as we've seen incarceration rates in the state go down, a trend that's been going on for years, and some really innovative and bipartisan compromise on criminal justice reform. The governor has been pushing for tougher sentences for violent offenders, okay, and and putting people in the judiciary uh, who are going to who are going to be tougher on criminals as well, okay. At the same time, and again, he's done all of this without raising taxes, but in fact cutting them, putting the lie to the notion that the Democrats have pushed for decades that we have to constantly spend and spend and spend and spend and raise taxes to pay for it. He's shown that that's not the case. And a lot of Marylanders like that. You know, even if they're even if they're registered as Democrats, you know, they're not the the left wing <laughs> they're not the Bernie Sanders types. Okay? There are a lot of Democrats in the state, have been for a long time, who are more moderate and conservative. There hasn't been a widespread realignment along party lines in Maryland the way that you've seen in Virginia and other parts of the South. And yes, Maryland is a southern state. You haven't seen that because the Democrats have been able to have such a stranglehold on power. They've been able to maintain this coalition. That coalition has, has been broken in this election cycle. Okay, it's, it's absolutely broken. The establishment Democratic Party is has been completely knocked out and you have a full blown insurrection from the progressive wing of the party going on. And the two are not going to get along at the end of the day. They're not going to find a way to live together anymore. That old notion that I've heard for years. Oh, well, the Democrats always find a way to get back. No, that's not true. They don't find a way to get back in line. They are openly and and in rebellion with one another right now. And that is going to follow through till November. There is enormous disunity within the Maryland Democratic Party. I mean, Ike Leggett won't come out and endorse the gubernatorial nominee of the party. Okay, there's a problem with that. You have you have state senators, incumbent Democratic state senators who don't want who literally don't want to have their picture taken with Ben Jealous because they're afraid that it's going to hurt them in their reelection bids. 
okay? There's not one Republican anywhere in the state who doesn't want to have their picture taken with Larry Hogan, who isn't enthusiastic about getting his endorsement or getting his support. You just don't see that. And that that speaks volumes, and it just can't be you know ignored by Democrats because they don't want to hear it. And it's a big part of why the, the governor's popularity and his his uh, uh, job approval rating is so high now being someone who has a bipartisan appeal being someone who kind of uh, governs by consensus someone who who stakes out the middle in a state that tends much more to the left than most of the states in the united states and the united states as a whole that kind of person is not going to be the ideal candidate for hardcore conservative Republicans. And that's what we've seen with Governor Hogan. And some folks on our side just don't aren't able to do math, I guess, or don't care. They live in their own bubble. Uh, they want to make the, the perfect the enemy of the good, on and on down the line. So you hear grousing. But keep in mind, and, and this is important as well, and this is something that came up is, is, is the Republican Party unified. Yes, there's griping on Facebook. There's complaints on Facebook. There are people in the gun rights uh, group, groups that don't like what the governors had to say about the NRA. I get it. I don't agree with it either. But you're going to vote for Ben Jealous? You're just going to stay home and let Ben Jealous win? You don't see Governor Hogan as enormously light years better even when it comes to supporting President uh, President Trump, okay, I, I, I'll save that litany oh. for another show. But the point is, every poll that I've seen shows uh, Governor Hogan has somewhere between ninety and ninety-five percent support amongst Republicans. Okay, whether there's an issue of energy or not, we'll see. Um, there weren't a lot of competitive elections around the state, so I don't think turnout in the primary is really something you can look at. But when you look at the enthusiasm of support of people who are Republican candidates running in tough elections, you know, Mary Beth Carosa wants Governor Hogan to come. Craig Giangrande wants Governor Hogan to come, um, <laughs> come campaign with him. You know, um, uh, Dotson down in Southern Maryland, uh, you know, Kristen Mele in Baltimore County. They all want Governor Hogan to come out and, and and do fundraisers for them and be seen with them and support them. None of their Democratic opponents want Ben Jealous to come out and do the same thing for them. I think that speaks enormous volumes. That that speaks incredibly clearly about the unpopularity of the Democratic, at least the Democratic gubernatorial nominee in the general election uh, population here in Maryland. Now, whether that holds, we'll see. Whether the governor can maintain that advantage, whether he can, he, he's knocked out um, Ben Jealous, we'll see. You know, it, it's still at the end of the day, you got to think Ben Jealous walks in with 40, 45% of the vote, at least. Um, So, but we'll see. 
But anyway, but it's it's absolutely untrue. And yet the Democrats still keep perpetuating this myth. Governor Hogan's not really popular for what he does. People just find him likable. Uh, he didn't really win because he persuaded Democrats and independents to vote for him. He won because people stayed home and didn't come out and vote. And the, and the Republicans s- stole an election from us, essentially. If you believe that as a Democrat, you keep on believing that because you're going to be really, really surprised come November. And you're ignoring mountains of hard evidence to the contrary. So let's take a break. We'll come back. And I want to talk a little bit because they had the uh, on the same show that I was on State Circle. They had the attorney general, our state attorney general on talking about a number of issues. You're invited to the first Red Maryland Leadership Conference on Saturday, January 26, 2019 at the Doubletree Hotel in Annapolis. Join conservatives from across the state to discuss the future of conservatism in Maryland and to develop strong, principled conservative leaders for the future. This will be an affordable all-day event featuring speakers from across the country discussing politics, ideas, and how to build a conservative majority in Maryland. Sponsorship opportunities are available. To secure your seat for this conference, visit redmarylandconference.com and purchase your ticket today. You can help Red Maryland grow our reach when you visit redmaryland.com and click on the Amazon link and shop as normal. A portion of your purchase will come back to Red Maryland to help us grow. Additionally, you can buy Red Maryland t-shirts, drinkware, and other gear from our Zazzle store at zazzle.com slash redmaryland. We want to hear from you. Email us at any time at redmaryland at gmail.com. You can also leave audio feedback on our Red Maryland talkback line at 410-205-4875. We might use your feedback on our programming. You are listening to Maryland's most trusted conservative voice, the Red Maryland Network. Be sure to follow Red Maryland on all of the major social networking sites. You can follow us at Red Maryland on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Google+, Snapchat, and Tumblr to get the latest from Red Maryland. And be sure to follow the home base for all things Red Maryland, redmaryland.com. Celebrating five years as Maryland's only network that matters. You're listening to the Red Maryland Network. here on red maryland radio here on the red maryland network that's a warrant louder harder faster i saw them at m3 they're fantastic that's a that's their most recent album that i think came out late last year early this year uh check them out there's they're as good as ever um all right so i talked before about my segment on the uh, round table in state circle before we went on air they did a 
segment with the Maryland Attorney General who was recorded from Annapolis, or I'm sorry, from his office in downtown Baltimore. Couldn't drive to Owings Mills to come into the studio. He's too important for that. On a, whatever, on a Friday afternoon, be that as it may. Jeff Salkin had this uh, rather incredible interview with him. If you, if you didn't see the show, let me just summarize the, the topics that he was talking about here. The video's not posted yet, or I do the, the riff tracks thing with this. Uh, he asked him about this, this, this 3D printing gun issue. Okay, now I don't want to get way into the weeds about uh, guns on this show with regard to national issues, because that really is a national issue. But here we have the Maryland attorney general who, amongst the many suits he has against the Trump administration, which is what he's all about, which is which is really not what Salkin should have been asking about. Why are you wasting all this time suing the Trump administration when there's things going on in Maryland that you're ignoring? Uh, but the gun issue is actually a great example of this. And and by the way, we have a great Republican candidate running for attorney general in Craig Wolf. If you haven't checked him out, do check him out. Uh, he, he's he's great. And he can win if people get behind him and support him. And Brian Frosch is an idiot. Uh, and I would love to see him debate these guys. But here's what's going on with this 3D gun. I'm sure a lot of you guys out there know have have heard a lot about this issue. So there's a company in Texas who has created plans, um, a, a software program that would allow those with a 3D printer to print a gun uh, that you can then fire. And, and the left is freaking out because there was all sorts of litigation about it. And then it was settled and the government said, look, you can do this. And the plans are out there. There, you can't put the genie back in the box. You can't close Pandora's box. Whatever metaphor you want to use, the stuff is out there. And we're talking about, and when we're talking about plans, we're talking about a First Amendment issue. Okay, so you can go buy something like the Anarchist Cookbook on Amazon today. And the, for those of you who don't know, the Anarchist Cookbook has, amongst other things, it has very detailed instructions on how to make pipe bombs and and other dangerous devices that can kill people. Okay which essentially is the argument about these plans uh, for a 3D printed gun is that these are, these are, this is a software that will allow people to make something that was very dangerous. Now what's, now what's ridiculous about this and the way that the attorney general was describing this in his interview, um, he was making the, the ridiculous mistake that a lot of liberal commentators have been making and a basic misunderstanding, and I'm no gun expert, as the gun guys will tell me, but the reality is, if you want to make, if you want to print one of these guns with a 3D printer, number one, these 3D printers cost like $150,000. So um, the attorney general is saying, well, this is a great idea for people who just want guns to commit crimes. No, it isn't. Okay. You know, the <laughs> the black gorilla family... Um, or the the um, you know the the uh, uh, the Avon Barksdales of the world are not going to spend one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to get three D to get a three D printer to make three D printed guns. They could just go out and buy illegal guns, which Maryland is awash with illegal guns. Something that the attorney general is not doing very much about. Okay, 
The guns that are produced through this process are of lower quality than what you can get in any gun store from uh, from a regulated gun manufacturer, or frankly, that you could get illegally on the streets of Baltimore. So you could get a cheaper, better quality gun for a couple thousand bucks in Baltimore if you're a criminal than you could by going through and getting this 3D printer and these 3D plans that, by the way, are all over the Internet. You can un- you can download them anytime you want. You don't have to go on the dark web or something like that. There's a million websites that have these plans. And yet the, the attorney general was making it sound like so. So, number one, he's he's filing suit to try to try to put the genie back in the bottle, which will never happen which I think was one of the things that the federal government the federal government recognized in kind of agreeing to dismiss this litigation in the first place. But yet now he's going to sue to, to make sure the federal government does this or that the courts do it for the, whatever it is. He's wasting all this time and money doing this. He's not going to accomplish anything of, of, of note. And yet he's making it sound like this, rather than this being some inferior product, that's really not worth the time and is not the best option for someone who wanted to be a criminal and own an illegal gun. There are much more readily available alternatives that that the attorney general should be very worried about and doing something about. And the governor would certainly appreciate his cooperation in going after those than this kind of boogeyman uh, 3D printed thing, which is really a diversion and is not going to make a big difference. In, in the availability of guns, legal or illegal, in the United States. But he's, print, he's making it sound like these three, 3D guns are all plastic and can evade, you know, like he's like John Malkovich's character in, in The Line of Fire, you know, making some sort of wooden gun that you can use to assassinate someone and are completely undetectable. First off, that's factually false. Okay, the the components required to make these guns with the 3D printers require metal parts, have metal parts, are detectable. Okay, the the ammunition they would have to use is made of metal and would be detectable. These guns are not, even if you had the plans and you bought the $150,000 3D printer, which is, by the way, that's the investment you'd have to make to get one of these things. This is not just... (laughs) This is not some cheap, cheap gun that you could make with your, you know, your, your laser printer in your office. This is ex- this is really expensive manufacturing technology that you'd have to have to make one of these things, to even take advantage of these plans. And it's completely asinine for the attorney general to think that one, uh, this is this is going to create this is going to make. Maryland awash in illegal, undetectable guns. Hey, guess what? Maryland is awash in illegal guns without serial numbers or that un- that are essentially untraced and untraceable. We already have that. It has nothing to do with 3D printers. And even if 3D printers were going to do that, trying to put the, the genie back in the bottle as far as the, the software plans online, uh, keeping them unavailable, you're never going to be able to do it. Even if you tr- even if you violated the First Amendment, which you really have to do in order to do it, okay, which is why we don't ban things like the Anarchist Cookbook or other uh, other of a myriad of places on the internet or elsewhere that can show you how to make deadly devices, and including how to make guns. 
So it's a complete waste of time. And and typically, the attorney general was completely ignorant of the facts. He was completely ignorant of the legal ramifications. And he's wasting an enormous amount of time following the lead of other liberal states' attorneys general in doing this, rather than dealing with the real problems Maryland has when it comes to illegal guns and violence on our streets. So that was one issue. And, and uh, Salkin kind of asks the right questions, but doesn't really go after him and lets him kind of dance around it. The next one was this emolments case. Okay. Again, the attorney general has no idea what, it, what he's talking about or what's going on. He's convinced that uh, the president of the United States is making money because foreign dignitaries are spending nights at his hotels. Okay. He, get, he filed a case um, along with the attorney general of Washington, D.C., in federal court in Maryland, Judge Massetti, Judge Peter Massetti. Judge, Judge Massetti denied a motion to dismiss. So now uh, our state attorney general is convinced, well, we're going to end up going to trial. We're going we're gonna to be able to go into discovery and we're going to find all of all the um, financial information about the president and his companies, which, by the way, is the whole purpose of this litigation. When Salkin asked him about similar litigation being thrown out in New York and how the courts in New York said that it was up to Congress to deal with this, not the courts, the enormous legal, just complete ignorance of our state attorney general was on full display. What the court in New York was talking about is if the president were violating the emoluments clause of the Constitution, the way for that to be dealt with was by Congress impeaching him, that it was up to Congress to regulate the president when it comes to um, constitutional violations by him in his office, okay? And yet, because there's no other way to sanction the president, all right, for a violation of the emoluments clause. There, there, there literally is it. You could have a federal court saying, yeah, you know what, Mr. President, uh, you're violating the clause there. So what? It's not a criminal statute. The courts can't remove the president of the United States from office for violating any amendment or any, or any part of the Constitution. Only Congress, through the impeachment process, can do that. Therefore, bringing this case as a piece of litigation for the courts is a political issue which the courts ought to seek to avoid. Because at the end of the day, the courts are unable to grant the relief requested vis-a-vis stopping the president from violating the emoluments clause, even if that's what he was doing, and and he isn't, or to remove him from office. Constitutionally, the courts cannot remove the president from office. But the state, our state attorney general doesn't understand that. He doesn't understand that. You're not going to get a money judgment against him for violating the emoluments clause. A court could say, hey, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to issue a declaratory judgment that the president's violating the emoluments clause. So what? It's going to be up to con- Congress is the only one who can regulate this. Otherwise, you're just getting a political judgment Uh, a a political um, decision by a court that has no legal basis, no violation of of law that can be enforced through the courts. 
And that's what the that's what the court in New York was talking about. And Salkin asked our state attorney general about that, and he just ignores it. He says all Congress can do is approve it. No, Congress could find that the president, if the, if this were in fact true, and it's not true, but let's say it was true, Congress could find that the president violated the Constitution vis-a-vis the emoluments clause. They could file articles of impeachment, and they could have a trial in the Senate and vote to remove him. That would be the way to handle that violation. There is no other way to handle it. Congress has every ability to do that. Okay, Congress could also find that the president's not violating the emoluments clause or that any purported violation doesn't rise to the level of crimes and misdemeanors and warrant his removal from office. But that's where the Constitution provides it has to be dealt with. It, without going through that process, all that the Attorney General of Maryland is doing is creating a political case to create political hay to try to get uh, the president's financial records, and that's all this is. And you and I as taxpayers are subsidizing this litigation. You and I as Maryland taxpayers are subsidizing our state attorney general going out and suing the Trump administration. Now, we should get rid of our state attorney general and put someone like Craig Wolf in there who's going to concentrate on handling problems that are going on in Maryland and not worrying about political stunts or political suits against the current president. We also ought to keep in mind that Governor Hogan withheld the million dollars that was set aside by the legislature that was mandated by the legislature to spend to fund these things. Okay. Now, the governor's not going out and campaigning on that necessarily, but the governor has done more to support the president by refusing to authorize the the Muslim ban suit initially and by withholding this money for political stunts like this, like the Emolman's case, uh, withholding tax dollars from the state attorney general to do these things. Okay. Whether he voted for the president or not, this is is the governor supporting the president by uh, not funding these witch hunts from Brian Frosch. And I don't think a lot of people on our side give him credit for that. And he's not going to run campaign commercials about it. But it doesn't make it any less the, any less the truth. So it, it's just stunning to me that this is a guy who's so clearly biased, so clearly political, so clearly anti-Trump in our in the office of state attorney general. And and meanwhile, things that are going on in Maryland that are being ignored are ongoing problems with the opioid epidemic, the Bladensburg Peace Cross, which he refuses to step in despite the pleas from not only the governor, but from the Senate president and the Speaker of the House. The, the Attorney General refuses to defend the Bladensburg Peace Cross, which is in danger of being torn down. This monument to uh, fallen Prince George's County soldiers who fought and died in the First World War. This is what we have. This, this, this is just so extraordinary to me. And this is why this election matters. It's why the attorney general election matters. It's why um, the, the governor's election matters. Um, so I wanted to share that with you. Check that out. I'd love to get your feedback on that. Okay, let's wrap up the show. Knocking off some rust. Hopefully the levels were okay. It's a work in progress, folks. We're going to get the Plunkett Studios 
under control. We're going to make it work. We're going to make it work. Brian will be back next week. We're going to have a special Wednesday edition of Red Maryland Radio. Hopefully we'll have everything working by then. That's my hope. That's my hope. But I'd love to get your feedback. Anything we talked about, anything you think we should talk about, send us an email, redmaryland at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com slash redmaryland. We're on Twitter, at redmaryland. Love to get your feedback um, on all of that. Don't forget to sign up. You've been hearing the promotional uh, advertisements for our first annual Red Maryland Leadership Conference in January. You want to get your tickets now while you can still get the early bird discount. Many of you have. Thank you very much. We've got a lot of great speakers lined up. A lot more in the hopper we're very excited about. Um, so keep that in mind as well. Uh, and with that, I thank you for your patience. We are back. We'll be back bigger and better and yes we're going to enhance our video presentation even though i see myself on television i'm like why do i want to be on why do we want to do more video but we're going to do it because you've demanded it for some reason that escapes me so we're going to be doing it <laughs> all right thank you all again for listening uh don't forget to check us out red maryland radio you can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, uh, on the TuneIn Radio app, wherever you get podcasts, the Google Play Store. Uh, you can find us there, Red Maryland Network Programming. Just subscribe. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a nice review. That helps us uh, get the profile out. Tell us about your friends. Share it on social media. Uh, check us out uh, doing that as well. You can always listen to blogtalkradio.com slash Red Maryland. You can listen to all of our past shows. Check that out. And, of course, the home base for all things Red Maryland, redmaryland.com. With that, I'm going to close it out here. Uh, the, the latest from L.A. Guns, they have a new album out, which is great. Uh, they, they, were, they, they were canceled from M3. I don't know why I didn't see them. But this is a great song uh, that was released in uh, 2017. It's called Speed. Folks, this is Greg Klein. Hang in there. Hang in there. Hang in there. We will get there.